Christmas Day was full of cheer, eggnog, and of course, some thrilling football. Burrow and the Bengals put the AFC on notice. The Bills take control of the AFC East and a Dallas and their offensive slump. All this and more next on the GM Shuffle. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Good to have you back here on the GM Shuffle. Hey, listen, no rest for the wicked here. Me and Lombardi always cracking these babies out. I'm in Toronto right now in a hotel because my brother and his four kids are at my parents' house and we can't have eight kids in here and I've got to uh, record this podcast. And Mike is back from Boston. How was Christmas, Mike? I'm sure a very special occasion, especially now with Sienna in the mold. Yeah, no, it was awesome. It was great. I mean, it was a wonderful day. I mean, you know, a lot of gifts. It was it was a blessed day. You're certainly grateful. I mean, I I I, uh, I marvel at all these innovative toys that they come up with. It's re- kind of remarkable. I wish I had some of them when I was little, but it's fun. I mean, it's great to see them. The smiles on their faces is is what it's all about. It's the best part of being a grandfather. You know, that, that I don't have to worry about the mess. I can just give the gifts and then go home. Yeah, I feel I, I get that with my dad. I'm like, yeah, that's this is awesome. Like he just he's literally giving bowls of ice cream out. Like he's just whatever you need, yeah. the choice. And whenever he's tired, he's like I'm, go, I'm going to bed now. You guys have fun. <laughs> yeah, you guys have fun. It's all good. You know, you do you do your own program. I'm you know you do you, I'll do me. You know, so it's fun and it's great. I mean, they love football and they got a goalpost. They love to kick the ball through the goalpost. So it's 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 really kind of fun. They made more kicks than some of the kickers that than certainly Matt Prater made on Tuesday, on Christmas Day. <laughs> the Lombardi Greg. It's much better than that. All right, lots of football to get to. Let's do it. First off, the Browns and the Packers. Packers went at 24 to 22 as Aaron Rodgers is 24 to 34, 202 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Rodgers does what he does. He and uh, Adams, of course, as he had 114 yards and two scores, he's only got nine functioning toes, but still somehow, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers sets the Packers all-time record passing touchdowns, surpassing Brett Favre. We'll get into that, Mike, but how about the turnovers killing the Browns? Baker Mayfield throwing four interceptions, a back-breaking pick as Cleveland was driving for the game-winning field goal, an obvious defensive pass interference not called on Douglas in the play. The Packers prevailed nonetheless. Packers are 12-3, and Browns 7-8. and But this goes back to a, a continued refrain here for us, which is how the hell do you think Baker Mayfield's a franchise quarterback? There's no way. Well, I mean, I think everybody sees it, right? And I think the Browns knew it too. I mean, look, they didn't extend his contract. They weren't they weren't drinking a martini over this thing. I mean, they knew he was had some limitations and 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 I think moving forward, they're obviously going to try to upgrade the position. It's hard to upgrade the position because if you discard what are you going to get back? You know, you got a, you know, you got a pair of twos, but you could end up with no hand. And I think that this was the game. I mean, go back to the playoff game, divisional game, 22-17. When Baker has to play quarterback in the pocket where he has to be able to see over the lineman and he can't rely on play action, he's going to be wildly inaccurate. He can't see the throw, the first, the interception, the high ball. You know, there's somebody in his face. He can't see down the field. I, I've often said this on the pod. The number one refrain he used to say at Oklahoma, I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. 
And and that's the issue. I mean, he's a little quarterback. Christmas Day was a bad day for Oklahoma little quarterbacks. I can tell you that. Kyler Murray didn't disappoint either in being a little quarterback. But this game, to me, for as bad as Cleveland did and as bad as they turned it over, they had an opportunity late in the game, and Baker can't deliver when the game's on the line. He just can't make plays from the pocket, which they need him to do. And let's face it here. The Packers... For all the talk about LaFleur being coach of the year, let, let's just, and I, this is not from Big Daddy, okay? So this is from Michael Lombardi, not Big Daddy Lombardi. But for all that, I mean, they've put their foot on the gas way too much. Like, here's my issue with LaFleur. Yeah, great. He's got all these wins. I get it. All right. But he doesn't even understand his team. Like last week against Baltimore, when it was 31 to 24, I'm on my couch saying we got to score. If we don't score, we're going to lose the game. You know, when he gets the ball back with 431 to go in the game, you know, and Cleveland's down 24-22, we got to score here. We can't punt the ball back. My defense isn't good enough. And yet he goes three, you know, he he gets one first down and they got punt. And so, like, at some point, put the ball in Rodgers' hand. They do it with Mahomes. They don't ever, if, if Kansas City would have got the ball back with 431, there's no way that, 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 that the Cleveland would have seen that ball again. And, and only if Mayfield made the play. Like, he's relying on a defense that I don't think ever gets control. They had two first downs, AD, in the fourth quarter. If you don't score in the fourth quarter, no matter what your lead is, you're going to be in a tight game. Certainly frustrating. And listen, as far as the Packers are concerned, the defense getting lit up by that shorthanded offense. That, that's my concern with the Packers. Here. I know you're big on them, but to me, I'm like, it's kind of like we were talking I'm about bi- that. I'm, e- right? I'm big on Rodgers. I'm big on Rodgers. Okay. I'm not big on them. Yeah, because that Packers defense, right? Like, that's my concern is that, like, the fact Cleveland still hung around this game and we know Baker's not a strong quarterback, that's one of the reasons why if someone says to me, why are you gun-shy on the Packers and the NFC, that would be why. That defense to me is a little inconsistent. No doubt. I mean, and look, the Packers are three for 10 on third down. I mean, you know, the, the Browns outgained them 408. This is two weeks in a row that the Packers easily could have lost. And, you know, I thought this weekend, and we'll talk about it with Buffalo, New England, too. I thought this weekend was about the the teams that had had playoff experience rose to the occasion. I really did. I think there's a level that you have to play at. And then when you get in the playoff, there's the next level up, right? And I think that that's where the Packers haven't gone to that next level. Two weeks in a row, they should have easily covered the game. They were in control of the game because of their offense, not because of their defense. And yet they let teams back in. And, and if you let teams back in in the playoffs when you're playing against better teams, eventually you're going to lose one of those games and you're going to be out of it. And they haven't improved in the kicking game. you know. And defensively, I think, I know they've had injuries, but they're not playing to the level they played earlier in the year. They gave up 408 yards. I mean, they get 219 on the ground. I mean, this is a concern. And I, I think it's going to bite them if they don't fix it. Definitely will be a concern for Green Bay, but thankfully Aaron Rodgers does what he does. Him and Adams has 66 touchdowns between them. All right, Bills and Patriots, as you mentioned, big win here, Mike, for the Bills. They, they take control of the AFC East. This is a very impressive win on the road at Foxborough. And Josh Allen, who's had a very inconsistent season, finally steps up. 314 yards and three scores, as well as another 64 on the ground. Isaiah McKenzie, Stephon Diggs, their lethal tour and five yards and two touchdowns as well. Specific to game planning, Mike, how did Josh Allen and Brian Dable carve up that Patriots defense? Well, I, I think they took really advantage of the the, the lack of, of quickness and speed of the linebackers of the Patriots. I mean, they're big physical guys and they threw the ball, they checked the ball down to Singletary. You know, Singletary had five catches, he averaged 7.8 and they were, they were very good on first down. They were outstanding on first down. They were always getting positive yards on first down and they made this Patriot defense play slow. But I think more than anything, I think this Patriot team thinks that they can play at a certain level and in the last two weeks, 
if you don't raise the level of play, if you don't raise the detail in your game, because the last two weeks have been playoff game for the Patriots, and they failed miserably at that contest. I mean, they turned the ball over in Indianapolis. They didn't stop them ever. On the, I mean, this score really wasn't as close as uh, this score was way closer than the game. Buffalo was always in complete control of this game, and they always were in the lead, and they couldn't stop them. And 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 it was a it was a commentary on the lack of true speed by the Patriots. They couldn't cover man to man. McKenzie had a career day, eleven catches for one hundred twenty five yards. You know, Allen was the leading rusher. He had sixty four. We knew going in the game he was going to run it. But credit Brian Dayball. He did a really good job. He understood how what the weaknesses of the second level of the Patriot defense. They didn't have a great pass rush, and Allen played perfectly. And I think this was the case of Buffalo saying, "Look, we're the better team." We're going to play better because we've got playoff experience. We understand how to raise our level of play. And they did. And they raised it tremendously. And New England didn't have an answer for that. And I think the only thing you can do from this is learn from it. You know, they've, New England is a rookie quarterback, a young team. They've got to play better. They threw for 145. They weren't detailed in the passing game. You know, if it wasn't for Damian Harris, and they, you know, they ran for a buck 50, but they still couldn't make plays. This was to be what looks like a rookie quarterback playing against a playoff team. And I think that was the result. Who wins the division and who's the better team in the in the division? Sometimes, right, division winner doesn't mean they're the better team, but who wins it and who do you think's better? If Buffalo plays like they did yesterday, they're the best team. I mean, I, I thought, as I said earlier, I thought these teams that have had playoff experience rose to the level of play. Tennessee rose to the level of play. They have playoff experience, right? They beat San Francisco on Thursday night. Even though that game was ugly, they converted third and whatever, 15,000 times. They rose to the level of play. And I think when you see this, to Buffalo rose to the level of play. Kansas City toyed with Pittsburgh, rose to the level of play. Dallas rose to the level of play. I think these teams that understand what takes to what happens in playoffs really, really change their game. And it was a different, that's why there was such an imbalance of score. There really wasn't a great game yesterday. There really wasn't. This game wasn't a great game. I mean, if they would have, they would, they, the, the Patriots got whooped. I mean, the Patriots got taken out to the tool shed. There's no doubt about it. They got, they got slapped around and by a team that they slapped around two weeks earlier. So, but I think Buffalo understands, hey, this is play, this is what playoff football looks like and give them credit. Definitely a great win there for the Bills as we move on. The Chargers and the Texans. You get some shocks oh. along the way in the National Football League. The Lions shocked the Cardinals last week and the Texans. Who saw 41 points against the Chargers? Davis Mills, the rookie quarterback, 254 yards, two scores with no turnovers. Our boy Herbert throws a 48-yard pick six. That iced the game, unfortunately, and that cemented the Chargers' worst loss of the year. Let's start there with the Chargers. I mean, uh, what the hell, man? 41 points to the Texans? What are you doing? Well, I mean, Staley, you can rip up his Coach of the Year ticket, you know? And <laughs> I mean, real fo- real football people know what he's doing. Well, how about a real football people stopping the run? I mean, they let this Houston Texans team run for 36 for 189. I mean, Rex Burkhead's a nickel running back, and he had 22 carries for a buck 49. I mean, seriously, like, at what point do you fix the defense? I mean, if I'm a Charger fan, I'm concerned as much about our inability to fix the defense. So you say, well, we were missing both, so we're missing. Hey, the, 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 the Texans were missing 17 players. They put no pressure on them. I mean, the kid only threw six incomplete passes the whole day. Six incomplete passes. They moved the ball up at that. They didn't even have their best receiver in Brandon Cooks. He was out. I mean, this was an ass kicking. If you're a Charger fan, this is like, wait a minute, we're getting worse as the year goes on. We were so analytically focused on Staley going for it on fourth down. Then in this game, when he had a chance to go for it on fourth down, he didn't. You imagine you're going for fourth down and in this game, you don't? 
I mean, it's so inconsistent what he's doing. But to me, they got their asses kicked in every phase of the game. Credit to Houston. I mean, Houston, they went with Davis Mills. Their team plays hard. They responded. Lovey Smith's got the defense playing at a higher level. I mean, look, they, you know, yeah, they gave up 417 points, 417 yards, excuse me, but they were really, they were really good at, at, at being able to make critical plays. And, 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 and in this game, AD, the, te- the, the Texans had 10 penalties. Usually when a team gets 10 penalties, they never win. And they had the ball 35, 34 minutes. Another game where the Chargers, all year long, the Chargers can't get off the field. To me, the, the, the thing you look for in a great head coach, and Staley might end up being a great head coach, is does he fix the problem? And you can honestly say that they haven't fixed the problems there. Now, he, he's a young coach. He's going to learn from this. I'm sure he's going to really study it. But the reality of it is, is they haven't learned from their past since. Interesting for the Texans, obviously without Deshaun Watson, they're a different team. But have we been sleeping on Davis Mills and the kind of potential this guy has? Or is this an aberration? No, I think he's played really well. I mean, I think he's played really well. And I, and I think you got to give him credit for that. And I think he's responded. He, you know, earlier in the year, he wasn't playing well. And he came back and he started to play much better. And, and I think that when you look at what they've been able to do with him, he's improved. The, the skill around him's gotten better. He doesn't have a very good offensive line. Let's be real clear here. He doesn't have a very good offensive line, but at least he's able to, to make it. And he's been showed toughness. He's got accuracy with the football. They won four games last year with Deshaun Watson. This year they've won four games with Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor, you know, and so they beat they beat Tennessee a playoff team, they beat the Chargers, they beat Jacksonville twice. I mean, you know, give them credit. I mean, the Jets went in there and beat them, and you thought, okay, the season's over with. But to me, this was a this was a for, if you're a Charger fan, this is this one this one stung the most because this is a team you should beat, and this is a team you should have been able to move the ball, and your defense didn't respond at all. Definitely frustrating for the Chargers. You wonder what a blow that is to their potential playoff hopes. Coming up next on the GM Shuffle, how long did the Jake Fromm era last in New York? Did Joe Burrow let up Baltimore for the second time this year? And did Dallas finally get their offense back on track against Washington? More previews next on the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
A really ugly first half from the Giants and the Eagles. Really just painful football to watch. And the Eagles put it on in the second half. They've now won six of eight games for opening the season, losing five of seven. They're now in playoff position, the seventh playoff spot. Particularly one of the moments that was notable was Jalen Hurts throwing a touchdown to his lineman, Lane Johnson. Alex Singleton, the linebacker, returns a pick for a score. And the Eagles just hammer the Giants uh, 34 to 10 was your final. We'll talk Eagles first and then we'll bury the Giants a little more as per usual. But after a terrible first half, the Eagles really improved. What do you think of Sirianni's play calling in this one, Mike? Well, I mean, look, you know, I think that the Giants have done a good job against them in the past. I mean, you know, they, they held them, they beat them the last time they played them because Hertz turned the ball over. And I think that Sirianni kind of had an understanding that that wasn't going to be the case. I mean, you know, look, they didn't execute very well. It took them to the second half to get things going. But once they kind of got it going, I think they identified who they are and they were able to, and he didn't turn the ball over and they played carefully. And I think that's ultimately what you have to do when you're playing against a lesser team. Sometimes you just got to be careful with the football. And look, the, the Eagles defense forced 23rd downs in this game. Think about that, 23rd downs. Of course, the Giants converted eight of them, you know, and they, they went for it twice on. So 22 times they were in a possession down. And the Eagles, that's because the Eagles didn't let him have any yards on first or second down. So he played to his strength. Giants had 182 yards of offense. I mean, it just doesn't get any worse than this. So, I mean, look, I, I think that the Giants always give them a tough matchup. They did it in the first half, but then the Giants just ran out of gas. I mean, the Giants don't have a quarterback. The Giants don't have any play, playmakers on offense. And, and they can't get it going. And they can't do anything with their football team. I mean, look, let's be honest here. In the, since December 27, 2016, Till December 27th today, there's been 80 games played for the New York football giants. 80 games. They've won 23. They've lost 57. That's a 28% winning percentage, right? They averaged 18 points per game, and and they've given up 24.8 in those games. I mean, you know, this is a five-year pattern of of horrendous. So, you know, they're going to bring back Joe Judge. That's great. I don't think they they didn't want to fire the coach, right? Because they fired McAdoo after two. They fired Fitz Shermer after two. So now they're going to not fire the coach after two. And they'll just do some, you know, they'll get Gettleman out of there. They'll make Abrams. They'll pretend like they're making changes. And they'll continue down this path of losing. Because this is an institutional problem. This just isn't a a one-year problem. Yeah, when you look at the team overall, I mean, like I said, from 6 of 17, 25 yards, one pick, pass rating of 19.5. And then we got our boy Mike Glennon in there. But your overarching point, the fact that the headlines are they're going to keep Joe Judge and Daniel Jones, and my first thought was if you're an NFC East fan of another team, you're thrilled. You saw that headline. Yeah. You popped a bottle of champagne. Are you kidding me? They're going to stay with Daniel Jones and Joe Judge? Awesome news for the Dallas Cowboys from Washington for Philadelphia. Why would we be surprised? You know, they, they don't like change. I mean, they like irrelevance more. But I think more than anything here is, in fairness to Daniel Jones, his rookie contract's so cheap, you might as well keep him until you get somebody better. So, I mean, I would say, yeah, we're going to keep them until we find someone better. But, you know, I mean, I think they, they feel like they can build around them. I think that Joe Judge is going to go out and try to hire the best offensive coordinator he can hire and feel like, okay, we'll fix this offense. I mean, Barkley's longest run yesterday was seven yards. Are we sure Barkley's ever going to come back to the level player that he was at Penn State? You know, they got decisions to make on Barkley coming up soon, too, where they pick up the fifth year. You know, where are they in terms of their skill? Their offensive line is still a disaster. I mean, Fromm, you know, Fromm didn't have a whole of time to throw the football. I mean, that was a hard game for Fromm to go in. I mean, let's be real honest. They picked up Fromm three weeks ago. He's going to run out of plays in the second quarter. The fact that it was three to three at half is, is a major miracle. And then the Eagles just took over the game. The Eagles, look, 
they'll be a problem in the playoffs because they're playing better on defense. Credit Sirianni, they've changed the defense. They're playing more man. Their front's playing much better. And their offense is hard to stop because they can actually run the football. I mean, you know, Sanders had seven carries for 45, Boston Scott. Yesterday, Hurts didn't really run the ball. He only had two carries for seven yards. To me, that's that's the key to the Eagles. When Hurts doesn't run the ball as much and they win, that's a good sign. Philadelphia at Washington, a game they should win, and then Dallas at home, a game where the Cowboys have already won the division. That, that's going to be the interesting one, Dallas at home, because you know that's you, you, they're not going to be able to get home field advantage, right? I don't think Dallas can. I mean, I'm sure they could if the Rams lost, but it's hard to think the Rams will do that, right? And and then do you, the Dallas should probably not play. They're going to want to be healthy for the next week. That's what's going to make Week 17 interesting. It will indeed, but Philadelphia, if they go on this winning streak, they will make the playoffs. Right now in playoff position, Ravens and Bengals. How about Joe Burrow? Franchise record-breaking 525-yard passing performance. Only three quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown for more yards in a game. Burrow was absolutely fantastic. Lamar Jackson out with an ankle injury. Backup Tyler Huntley on the COVID-19 list. So Josh Johnson... Signed as a free agent 10 days ago, starts at quarterback for the Ravens, and it was predictable that you know he wasn't going to be great. Although, 20 to 40 for 304 with two touchdown pass and interception, probably better than some would have thought. Became the first player to throw a touchdown pass for multiple NFL teams in the same season since 2015. But let's start first with Burrow, Mike. Career game. I mean, this is a guy who we know has great potential. The fact he was able to do this against the Ravens defense, remarkable work. And we know Baltimore's been weakened by their corners. That's why Harbaugh's gone for two earlier in games. But this was awesome work from Burrow. I mean, he was sensational. I mean, he was great. And, you know, throwing the ball, he threw it into double coverage. They came down with the receivers. I mean, Higgins made incredible plays. I mean, the two guys over 100 yards in receptions. I mean, Baltimore couldn't rush the passer. They got really, they sacked him three times, but they really couldn't pressure him. He almost, he had a 143 quarterback rating on 46 throws. What I thought was interesting about this game, AD, was the fact that, you know, Cincinnati controlled the ball in the fourth quarter and they kept trying to put the game away. I mean, they never, because Josh Johnson was playing pretty well. Cincinnati had seven first downs in the fourth quarter. Seven. Now, that's that's how you put games away. You get first downs in the fourth quarter. And they did. Baltimore only had the ball for three minutes and 59 seconds in the fourth quarter, which to me is really the essence of how you dominate a team and, and how you put ways. And Burrow was able to do it. They never stopped throwing. They kept trying to make plays. And Baltimore, like I thought Green Bay should have been in five receivers two weeks ago and just made Baltimore try to cover you because they can't really cover. And 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 I think Cincinnati proved that. They proved it clearly because Baltimore has nobody in their secondary. They're playing with a, really a replacement team. And that's why for Baltimore, not only the depleted secondary, Lamar Jackson out, do you think this team realistically can make the playoffs? I was watching Football in America. I think Kornacki had them at like 30%. I'm not sure his algorithm, but it feels like they're going to be the team on the outside looking in. You know, I, I said this on, on the Lombardi line two weeks ago. I said that Lamar... That was that all that talk that he could he's, he's day to day was a bunch of crap. That it's worse because they wouldn't have signed Josh Johnson if it wasn't worse. I mean, you know, moves tell you more than what the words tell you. They signed Josh Johnson. Hunley will come back. You know, I, do I think Lamar's going to play this week? I think that's going to be hard to know. I mean, they're not going to get any healthier on defense. We know that. I mean, that they're, they're so depleted defensively. I don't see how they're going to get any healthier on defense. And and you know, now they got the Rams coming to town. You know, they got the Rams high, you know, the Rams go into Minnesota with a with a with a really good win, even though Stafford turns the ball over three. They turn it over three times in Minnesota and still win the game by seven points. Pretty remarkable. So now they've got them coming into town. It's going to be a challenge for them. That'll be a hard game for Baltimore. I I just don't see a lot of hope for Baltimore because the injuries have just wiped them out. I don't see how Lamar if Lamar didn't even travel with the team, he wasn't even close to playing. 
That tells you that tells you he may be out another week. Could be out another two weeks. He might miss the rest of the season. They're not going to say it because they like the idea that pe- people are preparing for him. But he didn't practice all last week. He's not close. They are a resilient team. They've done well in terms of when their backs are up against the wall, kind of fighting out. But this may be a situation where once you're depleted, there's only so much that resilience and perseverance yeah. can do. I mean, you know, it's it's a league of players. I mean, this is a league of talent. And when, you, when you're devoid of talent, especially in the back end. Now, look, they weren't great even the beginning of the year when they had talent. I mean, since they put 41 on them before the bye, remember that? I mean, they can't cover Cincy's receivers. They're too physical. They're too big. Cincy's receivers are a problem. And unless they can create turnovers with Burrow, you know, where they put pressure on Burrow, they can't get there. All right, we move on to the Dallas Cowboys. Speaking of offense, man, so much for these offensive concerns. Dak Prescott connected with 10 different receivers, racking up 330 yards and four touchdowns. The second quarterback in NFL history to complete a touchdown to a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, and an offensive lineman, along with Kurt Warner, who did the same thing in 1999. The Dallas defense, elite once again, four sacks, two interceptions, and return to pick and block to punt for both for touchdowns. This is when Dallas is a real concern, Mike. When the Cowboys can play like this, and I get that it's Washington, again, a depleted team, a team that's from Ravage, but this is the Dallas team. When you see them like this, you go, that could be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, when they play like this and they're healthy on offense, and, you know, look, Washington, is, as you said, is depleted, you know, and Washington has issues going and moving forward. I mean, you know, they had that little winning streak and you think, oh, Washington's got it turned around. Well, reality, Washington doesn't have anything really turned around. You know, when they played against the good teams, you know, they were, I thought they I thought they would keep it close. I was stupidly thought it would be a you know, the line was 10. I thought they would keep it close, but you could tell from the first from the first series of the game, even though Dallas forced force was forced to punt, that that Washington had no chance. And their offensive lines beat up and Wash and Dallas just took advantage of it. I mean, Dallas is such a different team when Randy Gregory's on the field. For all Makai Parsons, and he's fabulous. But when you add Gregory with with Demarcus Lawrence and then Parsons, now you've got three legitimate, hard to block defensive linemen. Wow, they're sensational. They really are. They're gonna be a problem. I mean, the way they the way they attack the pocket defensively, like I don't understand it. You first if you're if you're the offensive coordinator for the Washington football team and, and you want to try to make a statement after you get the ball, after you kick the ball to them. You try to take a shot at, at at the corner. You take a shot at Diggs. I mean, there's Anthony Brown who had 75 pass interference penalties on Thanksgiving Day, and the first play you go against is at Diggs. Like, does that make any sense at all to you? Like, I wouldn't throw the ball over on Diggs. I know he gives up yards. I know, but he guesses. But you're going to run a risk. He's going to make a play on you. Like, why don't we just go after Anthony Brown? It, like, I don't get that. It just drives me insane. I'm sure it drives others insane as well, especially as Washington loses this game to Dallas. We move on to the Rams and the Vikings. 30-23, to 23, the Rams on this one. Brandon Powell returns upon 61 yards for a touchdown in the third quarter as the Rams are able to beat the Vikings on Sunday. That also secured a postseason berth for Arizona, by the way. Overall in this game, Aaron Donald led defense to its part, keeping the Vikings out of the end zone. Cousins, though, was the sharper quarterback coming off a couple of rough games. He still couldn't get the win that the Vikings needed. Stafford, though, Mike, three interceptions. I know the Rams win this game, but how concerned are you about Stafford, the fact he was error-prone in this one? Well, he was. I mean, he was not very good. He made too many mistakes, and they were able to overcome it. And the fact that they were able to overcome it was, you know, they played really good in the red zone. They're two for five. Cousins throws an interception, not his fault in the red zone. But the the Vikings are two for five in the red zone. That's the difference in the game. And the real difference in the game is Cousins on third down. He's two for 12 on third down. 
you know, he struggles. I think he struggles knowing that they have a good pass rush. And I think he gets rid of the ball too early and they, and they can't really control the game. You know, they averaged 7.2 yards per pass play in this game. It should have been a closer game than it was, but they weren't able to, 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 to cash in come red zone time. And, and they weren't able to get the stops that they needed. And of course, when you lose the game and the kicking game, I mean, there was only three penalties called. So that, that had no difference in the game whatsoever. But when you lose the game and the kicking game because you give up return yardage, you know, they had 94 yards in return, two punts for 75 yards. So, I mean, this is where I thought Los Angeles, they got better in the kicking game. They were able to run the football. I think with what we're seeing with the Rams is, is they're, they're back to running the Rams off. And Sonny Michelle had 131 in this game. You know, they're back to doing what they have to do. And, and here's the thing that makes, makes, you, makes you worry if you're a, a competing against the Rams. Is Stafford played shitty and they won on the road. That's a pretty good, that tells you you're a pretty good team when you do that. No doubt about it. The Rams are able to win this game and now perhaps could win that division as Arizona's faltering at the wrong time for them. Rams in this game, 30-23 to 23 is your final. Before we get to the mailbag and the Pop Culture Minute, let's do some awards. All right, always lots of good choices. Who's who's going on the lamb this week, Mike? Well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of lot of teams that I mean, Baker Mayfield's got to go on the lamb, right? I mean, not only do we have to suffer through freaking Baker Mayfield for four hours, then after the game, we got to watch 75 progressive commercials at home with Baker Mayfield. Baker going to Seattle, like at some point, enough of Baker. Have we had enough of Baker? Like, seriously, you know, like, let's just put him in West Cape May, get him out, you know, and, and there's some really hard decisions to make. I mean, let's face it. If you're Cleveland, you can't pay him. Every Cleveland Brown fan knows they don't want to, they want a good quarterback, but you know, they can't, it can't be, you can't pay Baker 35, 40 billion. If you're Baker's agent, you're still going to ask for that money. Here's my thought on Baker. I'm like, I'm with you. If I'm the Browns, I would not sign to that. But do you think there's a quarterback desperate team out there who will pay him that kind of money? Maybe a Denver. No. no? Okay. I don't think so because I think, you know, what the, everything that Stefanski's tried to do, and he takes a lot of heat, and, and he, probably sh- he probably regrets not calling more runs at the end of that game. But I think to me, I, I, I think he's probably come to the point where the scheme can only take us so far. It's a little bit like Jared Goff, right? The scheme can only take Goff so far. And then once people finally figure out it's the scheme more than it is the, the player, then they get give up. Like to me, I, I, I text a buddy of mine. I said, like, I think I'd rather have golf than Baker Mayfield. And that's a lot for coming from me. <laughs> that's like, like, yeah, that's going too far, Mike. Come on. That, you, you just, you had too much eggnog. You don't actually believe that. No, I, I actually think I would. At least golf can make the throws that are there. Baker can't even make them. I mean, you know, Baker plays small. You know, we didn't even talk about Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray plays small too. I mean, Kyler Murray last year was averaging 6'3 a carry on the runner. Now, he made the big run against the Colts. But when you make Kyler Murray play pocket quarterback and you keep him in there, the Colts with four. I mean, to me, one of the great games, and, 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 and we should probably give it to him now, the Fred Palermo Award, got to go to the Colts. Because, I mean, they had the best game plan ever. When you think about what the Colts were able to accomplish, right? They were able to accomplish a win on the road in Arizona, a team that needed to win to get in the playoffs. They beat them. They physically beat them. And they didn't have four of the star five starting offensive linemen. I mean, that's a hell of a win. And that's why I think Frank Wright's coach of the year, you know, because I know he's managing Ricky Fowler, Carson Wentz. He's not letting them really hurt him, right? So he's not, he's doing that. They're good in the kicking game. Okay. For all the people that think LaFleur should be coach of the year, there's not one unit that, that, that the Colts haven't improved in. The Colts have improved defensively. They've improved in the kicking game. And offensively, they improved. And to go on the road and win with four, with backup offensive linemen, I mean, and run the ball down the down their throats and not turn the ball over and play that well, 
shit, to me, he's coach of the year. I mean, he's coach. And, and here's the thing. Taylor didn't have an MVP game. Like, the, I don't think Taylor was the MVP. I know there's some a movement online. But Taylor didn't have an MVP game. I mean, he had 108 yards. He had the one long run. He had 27 carries. I mean, they did a good job on Taylor in that game. They just couldn't, they just didn't do a good job of managing the game. They couldn't make a kick, the Cardinals. They couldn't convert in the red zone. And, and you know, and Murray couldn't, can't make, he's 43 attempts. He's got 245 yards. I mean, I, I think to me that that's the Fred Palermo. I mean, they deserve it. The Colts, and I'm convinced. I think, I think this, AD, I think Aaron Rodgers is the MVP and Frank Wright's coach of the year. Before you said Vrabel for coach of the year. So now you're sticking with Reich after what you've seen, the latest evidence? I, I am. I, I really am. I think because the one thing I think to be coach of the year, you've got to improve your team. And I think he's improved his team tremendously. And that gets us to, if you don't know, now you know. I'm curious where you're going to go with this one. Well, I think now you know Buffalo knows how to play playoff football. I mean, so much for Buffalo not being tough enough. And I think that Josh Allen took a huge mother may I step. And he just basically said, look, I'm going to carry this team. And he was the difference of the game. They couldn't get it. I mean, late in the game, it's 27 to 20. I think it was 27 to 21. There was a fourth in inches. They had just tried to go for it on third down. They didn't get it. And they ran an option. And Jamie Collins has a chance to tackle the big guy. Can't get him on the ground. J.C. Jackson comes up and tries to low tackle him and misses. And misses. I mean, literally in a closed confinement and misses. And this is J.C. Jackson who's a good athlete. I mean, I thought that 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 Buffalo made a huge statement. I mean, they whooped New England and they took them to the woodshed. And they also said, look, we can raise our level of play. Now, we haven't done it all the time. But when it's on the line, like this was on the line, to me, they did it. Good stuff there from the Buffalo Bills. They have that huge win against New England Patriots. That gets us to the mailbag. As always, we appreciate your thoughts and questions. Send us your questions at gmshuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. This is from Jonathan. After reading Adam Schefter's report, it truly boggles my mind that the Giants seem completely unwilling to change coaches. Why don't they do what San Francisco did after 2016 and just start fresh with a new coach and GM? Instead, all you hear is they're going to promote Kevin Abrams. How does that solve anything? I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. I still still can't get over how they can think this way. Well, I think they 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 don't want to fire their the president. I mean, John Mara does want to fire himself. I mean, that's really what ultimately what it comes down to. They want to rearrange the chairs. You know, that they they like the house, they just want to rearrange the chairs. And for some reason, they ignore the fact that over the last 80 games, they have a 28% winning percentage. There's always something that didn't happen. And I'm off, you know, continuity's great, but if you're lost, where, where are we going? And they refuse to make any changes. They're not going to make any changes. I mean, they're going to do cosmetic changes to make the media happy, but they're not going to do really internal changes. It's a family-run operation. It's hard to fire the family. It's hard to change the family, you know? And I think that's really the issue. And if you're a Giant fan, this era goes back to, you know, when, uh, uh, you know, uh, John McVay was the was the head coach. Remember the fumble, and he took over for Arns Barger. And I mean that 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 era, that period of football. Unless they have an intervention, unless Bob Tish or the the Tish family who owned half the team, unless they just raise a stink, this is never going to change. 
Institutional, as you put it earlier. In one word, that's where you can describe the New York Giants and their regime. Time now for the Pop Culture Minute. Hope everybody got to uh, enjoy some Christmas movies over the, the break, some holiday specials, whatever you like to watch. Uh, a shameless plug for Cinephile. We had Tony Hale on the podcast. He is, of course, an Emmy Award winner for Veep. He was great in Arrested Development as Buster, and he's in a new film called Being the Ricardos. That's how I tee up my man Lombardi. Did you get a chance to watch Being the Ricardos at Amazon Prime? I mean, I was with Dominic and Mikey. And, <laughs> There's I mean, no there chance. Was none, I'm out. <laughs> I was watching. I was watching Paw Patrol, and I was watching Mickey Mouse Christmas. I mean, like seriously, I had no. I had no chance. Hopefully, this week I will be able to indulge myself on that. I can't wait. I really can't. Mayor Humdinger is the report that I can get on for you from that. <laughs> uh, as always, thanks for checking up the GM Shuffle. We're like Dimaggio here, baby. Unbeaten. We never miss a week. We never miss a week. We appreciate all of you. Appreciate the support. We'll talk to you guys all again on Thursday.